What's up and welcome to Ask for the Josh, the podcast where I get to listen to your questions, pray with them, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you in your walk toward becoming the particular saint God wants for you and me and for all of us to become. Here's how the show goes. You hit me up with three to five questions per episode, dealing with anything and everything from morality to spirituality, theology, philosophy, relationship advice, evangelization, discipleship, catechesis, and the list will go on. I will then spend time with your question, take it to prayer, and study, and hopefully respond in such a way that is helpful for you to grow in virtue, to grow in holiness. But my disclaimer is this. I am not perfect. I'm a broken priest, and so every now and then, the advice that I share with you might not actually be good for you. If that's the case, then I want to give you the freedom to reject whatever it is that I say that does not help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. However, if my advice is helpful, though difficult, then I want to encourage you to lean into Christ in prayer so that God can give you the graces you may need to fulfill the demands of discipleship. You can hit me up with your questions at AskFatherJosh at AscensionPress.com and you can also send me your critiques, your comments, your questions there. Rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats and share us on your social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, so that other people can find out about the show if it's a gift for you potentially it can become a gift for them as well. My book, uh, Broken and Blessed, and my book, Pocket Got to Adoration, are both available at ascensionpress.com. You can cop those books today. Um, so on today's show, our topic is going to be pretty cool. We're going to talk about um, when do we receive a soul? Like, at what point in our life do we get a soul? And this, this question oftentimes will come up, especially in political debates um, about abortion. Uh, we're also going to talk about soul ties. Uh, that has become a very popular term um, in a lot of Catholic and uh, evangelical and charismatic circles, or I guess over the past couple of decades. And so we're going to talk about whether or not that's a real thing or is that something that some people just made up like a, like a new agey thing or whatever. And finally, we're going to talk about suffering and how do we practically offer it up whenever we're experiencing pain and suffering. But before we get into those awesome topics, I want to share with you a glory story. I just sipped on some coffee and because of the, uh, the quarantine right now, I ran out of my cream that I always talk about on the show and so I'm using some of that regular schmegler cream, and it's just okay, right? It's, um, it's uh, gosh, it's just not as good. But you know what? I'm grateful for the gift of coffee. Uh, and this is first world problems. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's all a gift. It's all a gift. I deserve hell, right? That's what St. Francis of Sales said. Never complain because we deserve hell. And the fact that God offers us salvation, anything else is a gift, right? And so because I deserve hell, but I'm getting saved, I'm getting Christ for all eternity, you know what? I could suffer with coffee. That's just okay. Uh, but yeah, my glory story is this, man. God is so good. So I have to admit to you, I'm, I'm, I'm human, and I, I still struggle sometimes with the Lord. Uh, anytime anything goes wrong in our relationship, it's always my fault uh, because he's perfect. He's the best God you could ever ask for. And so, yeah, I still struggle with doubts, not whether or not he exists or whether or not I should be a priest, but like doubts with like the mission that I'm doing right now and like the the current like way I'm leading my parish as intentional disciples of Jesus and distrust in my experiences in prayer like was it a real a real experience in prayer or did I make that up Lord like I I need to test that some more and and so I just I bring it to the Lord in prayer and um and I was recently struggling with with some doubt with regards to to his plan for me and for my people right now and like what's going on with all this stuff and uh and 
I acknowledged it and I related it to the Lord in prayer. And it was so beautiful because after I related it to the Lord in prayer, I was drawn to the statue of St. Joseph in my church. And that statue of St. Joseph then drew me to just experience in prayer, perceive in prayer, the way that Joseph would have looked at Mary whenever he and her were trying to fulfill God's will for them, for their life and their walk toward eternity and, and how he potentially could have doubted and had distrust and not really knew what the heck was going on. And and when he went through those seasons, I, I just imagine him looking at Mary and Mary affirming him and encouraging him and uh, and just really helping him to like be resolute in his, his walk with, with the Holy Family. And so I then was drawn to Mary. And when I was drawn to Mary, uh, I, I just perceived the words from the Gospel of Luke that there's nothing impossible for God. And then upon receiving those words, perceiving those words, I just experienced this profound interior peace. There's nothing impossible for God. And I perceived the Holy Spirit say to me just to trust me. Like, do not forget the words I've spoken to you. Trust in me. Trust in me. There's nothing impossible for God. So then... I, I journaled that down, and I felt that peace. And the next day, I, I, I had a Zoom conference with my team here at Holy Rosary. We meet every Wednesday to pray with each other and to, to share hearts and see what the Lord is doing. And so we were praying with each other over the Zoom conference. And as we were praying with each other, my administrative assistant, um, Susan, she picked the, the passage from Insinu Yezu. That's what, what book we're using for our Lexio Divina right now. Uh, and she picked the passage that day. Uh, just on the spot, I asked, I asked the whole staff, I said, does anybody have a, a passage that y'all want to pick for us to pray with today? And she picked the passage, and the passage legit said something like, trust in God, remember these words, nothing is impossible for God. And I was like, whoa, Susan, like, so like Holy Spirit moment. So I, I heard it from like journal that down as well. That's that, that confirmation and affirmation from the Lord. And it was so beautiful. The Lord has been really all week to me, communicating to me um, and affirming things that I perceived in prayer through other members of the body of Christ. Um, th- during the, the whole week, while I'm, while I'm ministering to people, they might say something to me um, that is like, whoa, that's that's a response to something I've talked to God about in prayer earlier in the week where, I, yeah, it's just been beautiful. Even today, I, I had a, a beautiful experience with one of my friends who I've had on the show, Kevin McCall, um, and and we had just a beautiful time of prayer with each other. And again, like the Lord just, Kevin said some things in prayer that were a confirmation from what I perceived in prayer myself before I even, Anyways, it's all very beautiful. So praise God. Praise God. Uh, so uh, my glory story is that there's nothing impossible for God because God is able to do just what he said he would do. <clears throat> He's going to fulfill every promise he made to you. He's able, oh, 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 he's able, God is able, yes, he's able. (laughs) So anyways, that's my glory story, that God is able to do just what he said he would do. And uh, yeah, there's nothing impossible for the Lord, and so I'm just so grateful for, for God and for relationship with Jesus and for prayer and for the body of Christ and you know what? Let's just go ahead and jump into this show since I'm feeling so grateful right now. All right, first question. 
question comes in uh, from Anonymous, and it's about soul ties. Hey there, Father Josh. The good folks at the Alexander House in San Antonio uh, mentioned soul ties and breaking them to resolve issues in marriage after infidelity. Are soul ties real or hokey? Can laypersons pray to remove soul ties, or does a priest or exorcist have to perform some sort of rite? Greg and Julie Alexander have an amazing ministry to help troubled couples. I would highly recommend them. As always, I continue to pray for you. Enjoy your podcast and online homilies. And I've already ordered your new book from Amazon. Can't wait to read it and use it. Thank you. God bless. Anonymous. Yeah, praise God. Look, I love Greg and Julie Alexander as well. They are beautiful witnesses to the gospel of love and uh, and just a great married couple in our generation um, who have a an awesome mission from God to restore uh, marriages. Uh, so as far as soul ties, um, are they real or are they hokey? And can a layperson pray to remove these soul ties or does a priest and or exorcist have to be the one to do it? So first of all, with regards to soul ties, um, that language um, is like the terminology is, is new. Like that terminology is not something that's rooted in the tradition of our church, the terminology of soul tie. But I do think that it is a reality. So, like, terminology comes and goes. Like, right, the word purgatory is not in the Bible, but that doesn't mean that um, that purgatory is not a reality. Uh, the word trinity is not in the Bible. Um, it's, a, it's a word that the church came up with after years of discernment and prayer to describe the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The word transubstantiation, that's the word that we use to describe what happens whenever the Eucharist is transformed from ordinary bread and wine and water to the body, blood, soul, and divinity. That word is nowhere in the, you know, the first few hundred years of the church, but it's a word we use today. So the terminology soul tie is new, but I think that um, it is something that is real and I'm going to put on my speculative theology hat, and I'm going to say that I could probably use a scripture passage um, to, to affirm its reality. But again, this is speculative theology because I'm not sure if this is what Paul meant or if this is what he was talking about when he wrote to the, the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. But he does say this. He says, Do you know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take Christ's members and make them the members of a prostitute? Of course not. Or do you know that anyone who joins himself to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For the two, it says, will become one flesh. But whoever joins the Lord becomes one spirit um, with him. Um, so essentially, um, soul ties, um, I think, can be found in this passage of the Word of God. It is not explicitly um, affirmed in the Catechism or in the Summa from St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, but I think that, that one could potentially make an argument that that this is a description of what a soul tie could be like basically like where you hook up with somebody you have a sexual relationship with somebody outside of your marriage or outside of the sacrament of marriage period whether you go all the way or you go partially part of the way um and there's like a connection between the two of you now not just from the endorphins that were released but like there's like a soul tie connection um i would argue that it's not like actually like where your souls are tied together that's just the, the terminology that's popular i would argue that what happens probably is that whenever you commit a mortal sin with anyone, there are demons involved. There are demons who've witnessed you commit that mortal sin. They know you did it. They were there while you did it. They probably tempted you to do it because you delighted in that mortal sin, because you consented in that mortal sin with somebody else. Those demons now know how to attack you and or that person together. And so that's why it's always difficult whenever you're around that person. And that's why there's always that, that attachment, that unhealthy attachment to that, that bad relationship from your past that you keep running back to. 
And so we use the word soul tie, but I think more so the appropriate word, and this is, again, me being a speculative theologian here, the more so appropriate wording would be like a demonic influence, a demonic oppression over us because of a particular vice that we have committed um, or consented to, um, or, or, or because of a curse that someone put on us at some point in our walk toward eternity. I, I have prayed with people um, in breaking soul ties, and I've seen some fruit from that with some people. Um, and I've also prayed with other people where I, I've not yet seen the supernatural fruit from us praying prayers of deliverance um, and healing and breaking those soul ties. But I do think that uh, it's, it's okay to do so, right, for a lay person to do it with or without a priest, with or without an exorcist. Um, as a baptized member of the body of Christ, we have to remember the authority that we do have as members of the body of Christ. Um, I would not encourage members of the body of Christ to go out there and try to get plugged into certain um, aspects of deliverance ministry that you're not called to by God or without the authority of the church or the wisdom and advice of a spiritual director. And certainly, that, to me, that would include going out there and trying to bind things and cast things out. I think that's just dangerous. But there are prayers that one could recite um, if one perceives that there may be a soul tie from one's past bad relationships, um, unhealthy, sinful relationships with previous sexual partners, um, and or just emotional attachments, um, people who might have an emotional attachment to people where they are obsessed with somebody. I've, I've had that happen in the past with me where somebody uh, seemed like they had a spirit of, of obsession with me and they just couldn't stop uh, just being all up on my face and, and, and grasping at me all the time. And so uh, I did uh, myself actually pray some some prayers, recite some prayers in the name of Jesus. So there are prayers that you could just spontaneously recite or you can do formal prayers. Uh, there's a book called Deliverance Prayers for Use by the Laity um, that's put out by, I think, Father Chad Ripperger. He's uh, an exorcist here in our nation. Uh, and so some of those prayers that he put out, I'm going to just read to you that I I wrote down that I could share with you here on the podcast that you might want to use if you perceive that you might have an unhealthy attachment or someone might have an unhealthy attachment to you. Um, and the, here's one of the prayers uh, that you could pray. It's uh, this, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I ask Jesus to bind in his most precious blood any and all evil curses, pacts, spells, seals, hexes, triggers, trances, vows, demonic blessings, or any other demonic bondages sent against insert name or myself or any of our loved ones or any of our possessions i ask him to bind them all and break them in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen and then you say that prayer three times notice what what was prayed i ask him god to bind them all and to break them all i'm not going out there saying i'm binding you spirits i'm binding. i'm not doing that i'm asking god to do that um, another prayer you could potentially pray is this in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit Amen. Jesus, I ask thee to bind any evil spirits associated with and any and all evil curses, pacts, spells, seals, hexes, vexes, triggers, trances, vows, demonic blessings, or any other demonic bondages sent against myself or any of my other loved ones as well. Jesus, I ask you to bind all evil spirits separately and individually and break all seals in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, notice we're asking Jesus to be the one to bind um, and to break. And finally, you could do a spontaneous prayer like this. Um, again, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the name of Jesus, I renounce and reject and sever any and all unholy ties with, insert the name of that person, that may have resulted because of my sinful relationship with them. And I return them and anything that I have taken that was not mine to take, 
and I reclaimed from them and anything that was taken from me by them that was not theirs to take, I returned that, I reclaimed that, and I invoked the precious blood of Jesus to wash over me and to wash over them and all of our loved ones to protect us from any retaliating spirits. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray, amen. So, yes, I do think that there is a reality of soul ties. The name is not necessary, um, but the reality, I think, is there and, um, and could be argued for. Um, and I do also think that it's okay for a layperson, a baptized layperson, to, to pray these prayers, to recite these prayers, asking Jesus to bind and to break whatever might be an unhealthy and unholy attachment to you and to anyone else um, that could have been manifested because of pornography or because of a sexual relationship or because of uh, just an unhealthy relationship in general. Uh, so, yeah, that's what I would say to your question. And so hopefully that was helpful for you. If it was helpful, shoot me a message at askfatherjosh at com with some feedback and let me know if you experience any supernatural fruit from reciting these uh, prayers of healing and deliverance. So let's just go ahead and jump into our next question um, about suffering. Suffering for and with Jesus. This question comes in from Drew. Drew writes this. Hey, Father Josh, I love the podcast. Uh, your enthusiasm for loving Jesus really shines through. I have a question for you. I'm 24 with muscular dystrophy, and that leads me to suffer a lot. God bless you. I cannot imagine like what you go through on a daily basis, man. Um, how do I use this suffering for good? Like, how do I not suffer for the sake of myself, but for others, especially for Jesus? I've heard from different people that I should offer to the Lord, but that seems vague and I need more guidance. Also, thanks for all your ideas on how to fast when food is not involved. Due to my disease, those are probably much safer and true ways to honor God for me. Hope you continue to have a blessed Lent. Drew, yeah, my bad. So Drew wrote this question way like a long time ago during Lent and season. So my bad, Drew, for just getting back to you now. Uh, we have a lot of questions coming in, but no excuse. Nonetheless, it's Easter time. And so Lent was different. It was blessed and it was very different for all of us, right? Because of this unexpected COVID-19. So I like to talk about stories. Drew, so I'll share a few stories and I'll get to some scripture. Then I'll get into uh, some practical. So story time with Father Josh. First story is this. It's about Mother Teresa of Calcutta. So St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta founded the awesome order, the Missionaries of Charity Sisters uh, in Calcutta, and they now serve the poorest of the poor, the sick, the suffering, the dying, the unloved, and the unwanted all over the world. And the work they do is hard. We have some of their nuns here in Baton Rouge, but I've also done an extended uh, period of, of working with them in December of 2013. 2012, um, a number of years ago with my friend Jesse, uh, and it was uh, just beautiful and painful and hard and difficult, and they just work so hard, and they sweat, and it's just difficult. I mean, they are like literally dragging dead bodies across the floors of their homes and picking up babies who are found in manure, and it's just difficult, you know? They pray a lot and fast a lot and sacrifice a lot for the good of the salvation of souls, and Long story short, there was a woman who wanted to enter her community a number of years ago who Mother Teresa told her, like, straight up, you can't do it. Because, uh, straight up, not tell me, do you really want to love me forever? Oh, oh, oh. Anyways, um, I wonder what that song's really about. When she says, or is it just a hit and run? Like, is she talking about, like, just, like, 
like dating me and dropping me. I wonder what she means, but that's Paul Abdul. And, you know, language changes over, like, you know, soul ties, the language is kind of new, you know, language changes because like, for instance, I'm being ADD real quick. Whenever I was a kid, whenever I was in high school, if I said I hooked up with a girl, I meant like I went on a date with a girl. That's what the word hooked up meant back then. Like back in the late nineties, early two thousands, the word hooked up meant we literally like hooked up together and went out to the movies and had dinner. And it was, it was nothing um, sinful. And then I remember whenever, I guess I was a deacon or first ordained, or maybe I was in seminary and I was doing a, a retreat for some young kids. And, and I talked about hooking up and they were like, dang, you did what? And I was like, what are you talking about? And they were like, hooking up means that you went beyond first base. And I was like, really? Because that is not what it meant back then. So anyways, language. I wonder if Abdul meant when she sang that song straight up many years ago. But so Mother Teresa, she was like, straight up, you cannot join our order because the work that we do is so difficult with your physical ailments. There's no way that you could ever do this and like be happy and joyful because it's just too difficult, which look, I agree. I tried it with the sisters and I struggled with it. Um, and so this woman uh, went back home to America and, and mother called her and said, look, there is something for you that I've prayed about this. And I want to invite you to be a part of our community, but in a new way, in a different way. I want to invite you to be a suffering soul for our community because, you know, look, we believe that God can heal you if it's going to help you become a saint. But if you're going to suffer on the cross, like you might as well offer up your pain and suffering and apply it from the cross of Jesus Christ for us, for our community. So this woman in America began to do that. She began to just, every time she felt pain and suffering, she would immediately begin to pray and offer her rosaries and her, her prayers for Mother Teresa and her sisters. And Mother Teresa said when that woman began to pray for them and offer up her sufferings uh, in her prayer time for the community. They exponentially grew with more sisters and they were able to help out uh, more poor people and more sick people. And they just saw a lot more fruit. So I, I heard that story and I was praying with it one day and I was a deacon at this time at St. Patrick's Catholic church in Baton Rouge. And I, this guy came in to see me and he was, uh, he was sick and he was in a lot of pain. And he just revealed to me like his issue that he had, that he, he wanted to be a priest, but the seminary wouldn't accept him because of his physical ailments. And again, like Mother Teresa's order, like seminary is many hours of studying and it's a rigorous schedule at times. And so uh, he there was no way with his sickness and his disease that he would have been able to to do the, the work um, that's necessary for the that vocation of being a diocesan priest. So he was rejected um, and he felt terrible and even felt suicidal. Uh, because of it, he was like, what's the point of my life if I can't do this mission? And I was like, man, like you're not created to, to do stuff. You're created to be in relationship with God. And so I was like, man, let me, let me read you a story about Mother Teresa. And I read in the story, I said, that's a great story. And I said, the reason why I'm reading that story to you is because, look, I, I too believe that God can heal you. I've seen like physical healings happen. I've seen miracles take place. I've seen people who um, were, uh, had like, yeah, I've, like I legit have seen miracles. And so I told him, if it's good for your sanctification, for you to become a saint, I believe that God will heal you. Um, but if it's not, I don't think that he will. And so if he doesn't heal you, what I want to ask is that just like that woman offered up her pain and suffering from Mother Teresa's order of nuns, will you specifically unite your sufferings to Jesus Christ on the cross for me and for my vocation that I can persevere and that I can become a saint and that I could form saints? And he, he said, yeah, I will do that for you, deacon. And so he began to pray for me and I visited with him again afterwards and everything. But I, I just want to tell you, like, Drew, since he began to pray for me when I was a deacon, I began to see 
exponential supernatural fruit in my ministry. I used to have to spend hours upon hours to prepare my homilies and my uh, my talks that I would give. And when he committed to praying for me and offering his suffering, I literally could like, this isn't all the time, but like I can literally walk into the Adoration Chapel and within 30 seconds, I have a, a homily pretty much infused into my like my, my soul. And then I'm able to go and preach that homily without any preparation. Like I literally just go and pray and it just comes. And that started happening when he agreed to pray for me and offer up his pain and suffering uh, for me and for my vocation and for my ministry to form saints. Uh, it doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen sometimes and a, a lot. Uh, so uh, that began happening once he agreed to, to be my suffering soul, my victim soul. Uh, so St. Paul writes about uh, this in Colossians. He says, uh, now I rejoice in my sufferings uh, for you, for I will fill up in my flesh what is lacking right in the body of Christ. And what's lacking is that some people in the body of Christ are allowing their suffering to go to waste. They are experiencing pain and suffering, and they're just complaining about it, and they're being bitter about it instead of uniting it to the cross of Jesus Christ, who tells us to pick up our crosses and follow him. So how do we then do this? How do we offer it up in a way that's like, in a way that's beautiful. Uh, so first and foremost, it's we can offer up through the Mass, at the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Whatever pain you're experiencing, whatever physical ailments you're going through, uh, whatever even emotional distress you're experiencing, you can offer it up at the offertory during the Mass. Give it to your guardian angel and invite your guardian angel to bring your sacrifice to the altar of sacrifice so that just as God transforms the bread and wine and water into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. God can also transform whatever it is that you are experiencing. You can say, God, like I offer this pain to you in, 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 in worship uh, so that many souls can be saved. People can, can convert all of the world, past, present, and future, and trust that God would do that. You can also do more formal prayers like the um, Divine Mercy Chaplet. Uh, Divine Mercy Chaplet uh, is very beautiful um, because whenever we pray that, we say, I offer you, I offer you uh, the body, blood, soul, and divinity uh, of your somebody's. I offer it, Lord. Like I'm offering it up in union with my, with my body, with my sacrifice, Lord. And so the Divine Mercy Chapel is another beautiful way that we can offer up suffering. St. Faustina even said uh, one time that God told her, Jesus told her in an apparition, that if the angels were capable of the vice of envy, which they're not, uh, because they're good angels and they don't sin, but it says, he said, if the angels were capable of envy, they would envy us for two things. One is receiving Holy Communion because they ain't got no body and you can't receive the body of Christ without no body. Um, and the other is suffering because they ain't got no body, so they can't suffer. Uh, but um, Fulton Sheen also, he, he wrote this beautiful prayer um, that we could say uh, whenever we experience suffering. So I'm going to read you a prayer by Fulton Sheen, Bishop Fulton Sheen. Here it is. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Amen. I give myself to God. Here is my body. Take it. Here is my blood. Take it. Here is my soul, my will, my energy, my strength, my property, my wealth. All that I have, it is yours. Take it. Offer it. Offer it with thyself to the Heavenly Father in order that he, looking down on this great sacrifice, may see only thee, his beloved Son, in whom he is well pleased. Transmute the poor bread of my life into thy divine life. Thrill the wine of my wasted life into thy divine spirit. Unite my broken heart with thy heart. Change my cross into a crucifix. Let not my abandonment and my sorrow and my bereavement go to waste. Gather up the fragments, and as the drop of water is absorbed by the wine at the offertory of the Mass, let my life be absorbed in thee. Let my little cross be entwined 
with thy great cross so that I may purchase the joys of everlasting happiness and union with thee. United with thee, transubstantiate me so that like bread, which is now thy body, and wine, which is now thy blood, I too may be holy thee. I care not if the species remain or that like the bread and the wine I seem to all earthly eyes the same as before. My station in life, my routine, duties, my work, my family, all these are but the species of my life which may remain unchanged, but the substance of my life, my soul, my mind, my will, my heart, transubstantiate them, transform them wholly into thy service so that through me all may know how sweet is the love of Christ. Amen. Mm, that's a beautiful prayer. I found that on Dr. Tom Neal's blog. Um, oh, such a good prayer. It reminds me of the song uh, by, I think, Anthony somebody, Evans. I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. Oh, such a good song. They're saying that at my ordination. Beautiful song. So you can offer up your suffering through music, uh, through devotional prayers, through spontaneous prayers at the offertory at Mass, through reciting this beautiful prayer by Fulton Sheen, in many different ways, just when you experience the pain and suffering, united to Jesus Christ on the cross, for your sanctification, for the sanctification of the world, and for the transformation of our society, and most importantly, so that you can glorify God in everything that you do, and um, every word that you speak, in your very being. May it bless his name. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to dive into a final question about when is it that we receive our souls? Hi, I'm Sonia Corbett, the Bible study evangelista and a Baptist turned Catholic. As a Baptist, I thought that Catholic beliefs were invented, that they came out of nowhere and had no connection whatsoever to the Bible. I also happened to believe that the Old Testament was about rules, rituals, and sacrifices that the New Testament gave us permission to ignore for a personal relationship with Jesus. It's a long story, but as God began connecting the Old and New Testaments for me, I was stunned by the beautiful consistency of God in the Catholic Church. I can't tell you how exciting it was when God opened my eyes to the incredible ways the Old Testament foreshadows God's plan for the New Testament and for His Catholic Church. In my book, Fulfilled, Uncovering the Biblical Roots of Catholicism, I explain these amazing connections, and I share how those connections helped change my life. If you read this book, I promise that you will come away with tools to help you share your Catholic faith easily, answer questions about how your Catholic faith fits with what's in the Bible, and most importantly, grow deeper in your relationship with Christ. If you're interested in learning more or ordering a copy of Fulfilled, Uncovering the Biblical Roots of Catholicism, you can do so at ascensionpress.com or on Amazon. All right, and we're back. Uh, quick reminder, you can email me your questions, your comments, your critiques at askfatherjosh at ascensionpress.com. You can also rate us and review us on iTunes and other podcast formats, and you can share us on your social media pages that way, if the show is good for you, potentially it may be good for other people as well. Last question for the day comes in from Cole. Cole writes this. Hi, Father Josh. I was recently reading Richard Swinburne's new book about the existence of souls. And in the final chapter, he says that a soul does not begin to exist until the seventh month of pregnancy. What is the Catholic belief about when souls begin to exist? And what implications would this have about the abortion question? Um, this is a great question, Cole, because a lot of people, specifically politicians, 
who are pro-choice are really pro-abortion. Um, they like to argue, well, they don't have a soul until later on and whatever. So um, we pray for them and for their conversion. So first of all, let's answer this from a biblical point of view, um, because it's, it's clear um, that in the womb, John the Baptist had a soul, right? Why? Because he was able to perceive the presence of God and he responded to the presence of God in Jesus, who was in Mary's womb. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verse 44, this Holy Scripture is revealed to us that John the Baptist leapt for joy. He experienced joy in his mother Elizabeth's womb whenever he was in the presence of Christ. Uh, we're also uh, told that he was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Uh, Corps are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Only persons are, right? Persons are. And so in order to be a person, you must be body and soul. That's clearly what we um, understand from sacred scripture. James makes it very clear. He says, the body apart from the spirit is dead. So in order to be alive, you must be body and soul, one together. Uh, and so we clearly see that, hey, look, John the Baptist, who was unborn, he was not out of his mother's womb yet. He, uh, he had body and soul, right? Um, also in the Old Testament, King David writes uh, that, uh, in Psalm 51, 5, he says, Indeed, I was born guilty, a sinner, when my mother conceived me. He had original sin when his mother conceived him. So in his mother's womb, King David did not have grace. Original sin is not a sin he committed. It's a sin he contracted. It basically means he is without grace. He's without God's grace. He's missing something. But he was born guilty. He was born that way. Uh, his mother conceived him. So um, to possess a fallen human nature um, means that you must be human. In order to be human, you must be body and soul um, at that time of conception. Uh, also, you can go back to one of the great saints, St. Saint Thomas Aquinas, and see what he says from a Thomistic point of view, which I actually am going to argue Thomas Aquinas was wrong. And look, don't get mad at me, all you Thomas Aquinas lovers. I love Thomas Aquinas too. I, I'm all about Thomas. I love the spirituality of Francis, and I love the theology of Thomas, so I'm not some anti-Thomist, but I do think Thomas was wrong, and uh, so, because the Summa's not perfect, the Summa's really good, but he said it himself, it's straw, right? It ain't the Bible, uh, but it ain't the inspired word of God, but from a Thomistic point of view, Thomas Aquinas believed that an unborn baby did have a soul, right? It was a rational human being um, from the time that it was conceived. However, Here's where Thomas was wrong. He thought that conception was an extended process that did not finish until 40 or 90 days into the pregnancy. Um, in his commentary, uh, he says this. Uh, uh, he says, The conception of the male finishes on the 40th day and that of the woman on the 90th, um, as Aristotle says in his book on the animals. So from a medical point of view, Thomas Aquinas was mistaken on conception when it was finished. Um, not when it began. He was right on when it began, but he was wrong on when it was finished. Because modern science like reveals to us that conception in human beings occurs almost instantaneously. Um, as soon as the sperm and the, the ovum unite, it's done. It's conception happened. Uh, and this joining uh, can take place, like, I don't know, like pretty soon after the marital act is, is, is you know, finished between the male and the female. Um, and so, yeah, so... Praise God for medicine. Thomas Aquinas did not have that medical wisdom whenever he was writing the Summa. So that's why he was wrong on that because he was such a genius. I'm sure if he had the medical wisdom, he would have been right like he was about almost everything else. So, again, the implications for this is that, you know, like obviously abortion is wrong because you're killing a person. 
you're not killing a blob, you're killing an actual person. But again, let me also say this, God's divine mercy is available for every person, for every woman and for every man who I've walked with who've committed um, abortion, who've had an abortion, who've, who paid for an abortion. I want you to know that God loves you and he sees you and he knows you and he wants you to be a saint. And you committing that, that abortion is not going to stop you from becoming a saint. All you have to do is immerse yourself in God's divine mercy and the sacrament of reconciliation and continue to walk toward eternity. Uh, one of my favorite future saints, servant of God, is Dorothy Day. Dorothy Day is a servant of God, and Dorothy Day had an abortion. She had an abortion, and she is on the pathway to becoming a saint. And I cannot wait for the day that she is canonized a saint, because I think that she will help so many women and men out who have um, experienced abortions. And I just think that it's, it's going to be so helpful for people to believe, like, wait a minute, I too, I too can become a saint. Just like Dorothy Day is a servant of God, I too could be a servant of God one day uh, because God is, is calling all of us to become saints and our walk toward eternity. So again, this, I want to give this brief message of mercy. Um, if you have committed the sin of abortion, God's mercy is available to you, and he is still calling you to be a saint. But again, political, um, political individuals who are pro-abortion would try to argue that the soul does not exist till later on in life. That way they can try to promote abortion um, because they're saying it's not a human. But nonetheless, we were humans and we are humans. And whenever our souls and our bodies are reunited after the resurrection, we will continue to be the human person that we are. So, and our glorified body, though, which is kind of cool. So anyways, that's the show for today. Let's go ahead and pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, bless us. Bless us in our walk toward heaven. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I did a short prayer because I've been praying all podcasts. I got like a bunch of deliverance prayers for you, some suffering prayers. And so you guys, you got some good material to pray with. Anyways, long story short, I cannot wait to continue to walk with you toward eternity so that we can all be together in heaven. For those of you who I know in this life and love, praise God. And for those of you who I love but don't know, I can't wait to get to know you when we get to heaven and abide in relationship with each other and the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit forever and ever and ever. God bless.